I'm wondering if you would turn with me to Matthew chapter 17. It's the first book of the New Testament. Matthew chapter 17. Without a doubt, there were 12 that were called 12 disciples. They left their jobs, their dreams, as they heard the call of Christ to come. Taxation tables no longer seemed interesting to Matthew, and politics were no longer of interest to Simon the Zealot. Fishing boats no longer interested Peter. Andrew and James no longer in search of the perfect net. Peter and John no longer marking the maps where the best results came from. It, it, just, it just left them. Judas and Philip and Bartholomew and Thomas and Thaddeus and the son of Alphaeus, all of them were called. Anybody feel that call in the room tonight? There's a call. He said he'd make us fishers of men. Matthew 17 and verse 1. But the call becomes more concise the closer you get to Christ. And I, I feel that call moving into this room. And I'm praying that God would allow this sermon to be more than just words and print. I pray that it be more than just ideas. I'm asking that with his anointing it would become a lifeline for someone tonight. God has a plan bigger than you can imagine for your life. And before you exclude yourself or recuse yourself from that statement, let me just remind you that of the 12, nobody could imagine themselves maybe more than Peter that God would use them, but he was the preacher at Pentecost. You still don't believe it. Someone say, God can use me. You see, the, the problem is, is that when we begin to believe that for just a moment, we know that there is, there is a requirement attached to the call. Matthew 17 and verse 1, And after six days Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart. Let me just read it one more time. And after six days Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John his brother, and bringeth them up Someone say up. Into an high mountain apart. There is a call to come to the high place tonight. And I wonder if you would just allow that short scripture to introduce the sermon into your life this evening. Would you pray together with me? Father, what a privilege it is to be in your presence tonight. God, if we can hear your word, miracles can happen. Change can occur. God, lives can be delivered. Eternity is impacted. God, destination unknown for somebody tonight because you are releasing your word into their life. I pray, Father, be that lamp to their feet. Be their light to their path, we pray. And we'll ask it in the name that's above every other name. In Jesus' name we pray. Would someone say, in Jesus' name? Amen. You may be seated this evening. The 12 disciples were now fishers of men. The call had come, and what a call it was. Life would never be the same. It started with water into wine at the wedding in Cana of Galilee, and it never stopped. It was signs and wonders. It was teaching and preaching. It was loaves and fishes and storms and stills and tombs and grave clothes and all the miracles that occur and all the marvelous things that happened. 
But in the midst of all of the greatness that was going on right there around them, is it any wonder that even when the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords was right there by their side, that they missed an opportunity to go higher? In our text, it was only three that were called, but 12 had been initiated. 12 had been invited around the table, but when it came to go to the high place, only three were chosen by Jesus. That can happen to the best of us. It can happen when we become comfortable with just being called and we resist the climb. And somewhere in the midst of the message, the red letter words of Christ come through loud and clear. Many are called, but few are chosen. Let me challenge us for a few minutes tonight because you can be called and still be complacent. You can be called and just settle into the routine of the schedule. You can be called and go through the motions week after week, day after day, hour by hour. You can be called and still just be in the room. You can be called and be at ease in Zion. You can be called and miss the opportunity to climb. You can be called and completely miss the purpose of the high place in your life. You can be called, but only few are going to be chosen. You say, Pastor Jack, are you preaching a, a message of restriction tonight? Are you isolating anybody? Nah, -uh. I don't want anybody to be isolated tonight. I, I don't want anybody, anybody to be on the outside. I want everybody to hear the invitation. I want everybody to hear the call to come a little higher. But reality would remind me that not everybody's going to hear the word tonight. Reality would remind me that somebody's already checked out. And before long, you're going to head out. And we're just going to go through the, the motions as normal. We're going to go through the week just like we did last week. But somehow, if we can just hear the voice of the Spirit that's moving in this room, I want someone to realize that this week could be different than any other week you've ever had in your life before that this week tonight it could change everything could begin to turn around you could hear a voice that you never heard before you could hear him speak in a way that he's never spoken before God could move in this room like he has never moved before many are called but few are chosen our, our setting is found in the text Matthew chapter 16 leads us into 17 and and if you were to start in verse 24 it said Jesus said unto his disciples all of them he said if any man will come after me let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me why because there's climbing that's required he said for whosoever will save his life shall lose it and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it and what is it going to profit a man if he gains the whole world, but he loses his soul? Can we just let the word speak tonight? I don't have to preach it. I, I don't have to talk about it a whole lot. I'll, I'll just let those red letters make their way into our, heart, our hearts this evening. Someone just needs to realize I'm, I'm working too hard for the wrong thing. I'm expending too much energy going down the wrong road. I'm taking too much time to, do, to accomplish my own purposes and my own task. We live in a world that's chasing a dream. It's, it's, it's about making their lives count. It's about making their lives matter. It's about making their lives fun. It's about making their lives full. But in the midst of all that effort of us trying to fill our lives all by ourselves, God said, uh-uh, if you, if you chase down that dream all by yourself, you're going to come back empty-handed. 
empty-handed, but if you'll just lose your life, that's, that's when you're going to find it. It's in that moment that you're going to realize, ah, uh-uh, there's a life greater than anything I ever had before. There's a life abundant available if I'm just willing to let go of life the way that I know it is now. There's a life available for me. I want to get a hold of that life-giving spirit, that life-breathing God that's in this room tonight. There's help in the room right now. Yep. I need all the help I can get. You may as well just clap hands to the Lord. What will it profit us if we gained the whole world, but we lose our soul? Verse 27, for the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. Verily, I say unto you, there shall be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And some people wrestle with that scripture because they know that Christ dies and the apostles still aren't hanging around. Jesus goes to the cross and the disciples are, some of them are crucified, some of them are martyred. John lives to the end of his life, he's the only one. But, but we, we wrestle with that scripture because it says that some would be standing there that wouldn't taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. But you don't stop there at that, that verse, read on into the next chapter. Jesus lets that sermon sink in for six days. He lets that sermon about taking up his cross and following him. He lets the sermon sink in about losing their whole world to gain the world that he has available for them. He lets that sermon sink in. He, that, that, that there's more in store if they're willing to let go of what's here and now. He lets that sermon sink in for six days. It was six days of sifting in their spirits. It was six days of separation. It was six days of determination. I don't know what they did, and I don't know why it wasn't all 12 that were invited. But I do know that by the time we get to chapter 17, it says that six days, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John, his brother, and he brings them up to a high mountain. I just want someone to know that over the course of the next six days, God could transform your life. By the time we get back in this room next Sunday, you could be a brand new person sitting on the pew you could be a brand new individual never the same never the way you were a brand new heart focus a brand new life direction I'm talking about a God that can turn lives around like that just six days it's just six days of separation six days of intention six days of saying God I'm gonna take up that cross you challenged me to take up six days of relinquishing our life the way that we know it so we can gain a life that he has available for us just six days six days before God takes us to that next level Uh, could that happen in a week I'm telling you it happened for Peter James and John it happened in their lives God can transform you in just one week you know we, we taught a series a little while ago how to have a brand new teenager in seven days or new kid by Friday that's why I need her If you don't know, you won't laugh. If you do know, you will. A new kid by Friday. Well, that's five days. Seven days. Well, you can have a new life by Sunday. Author, Jack Lehman. Millions of books sold. 
Just one text, Matthew 17, verse 1. After six days, Jesus separated the disciples. He said, guys, you stay here, but I'm taking Peter, James, and John with me. We're going on a journey. We're going to a high place. We're going up to a brand new level. We're going to a brand new location. We're going to a brand new observation. We're, we're, we're taking a brand new vision. We're going to see things the way that we've never seen it before. I, I've got to take them to a brand new level in me. I, I want someone to realize that can happen to you tonight. The last few weeks in my personal reading, I've been working my way through the book of First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles. The more that I look through Scripture, I see that often the spiritual battle is lost or it's won based on what happens in the high place. In First and Second Kings, the presence of high places serves as a type of litmus test for Israel's morality. When the kings allowed foreign deities to be set up in these worship sites, the people forsook the true God for foreign gods. When they removed them, when those kings got a revival, when they had a restoration of spiritual emphasis and God on their side, that they would take those high places and they would tear down the groves. They would tear down the idols that had been erected to, de to deities that were outside of the one true God. And, and when they would remove them, God was pleased and his promises and his presence infiltrated Israel and it blessed everything that they did. And, and as I was reading through this, I was like, how could they be so dumb? When you look back through scripture with 2020 vision, you begin saying out loud, how could you be so S-T-U-P-I-D? Someone just said it. Hooked on phonics. Israel's destiny was determined by what deity held the spiritual high place in their life. And we can look back and we can say, you shouldn't have done that. Or why didn't everybody do that? But I've got to wonder, old error and new dress is ever error nonetheless. Here's what I know. History tends to repeat itself because we make the same error. We make the same mistakes. We do the same thing over and over again. And I, I just came with a simple word tonight. What's happening in your high place? Just a simple question. What's happening in your, what's going on in the high places of your life? What, what determination have you made to separate yourself unto God? Do you, what, what, what's going on in the high place of your spirit, in, in, your, in your spiritual walk with God? What's happening in your high place because little idols have a habit of making their way into the high places of our lives. God hates the little things that pull us off of his plan and purpose for our lives. The small idolatries we so quickly rationalize our way can take up great space, spiritual space in our hearts and in our lives. Jeremiah 7 and verse 17 gives us just a quick illustration. The prophet through God, saw what was happening in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jer Jerusalem. Verse 18, he said, The children gather wood and the fathers kindle the fire. And the women knead their dough to make cakes to the queen of heaven and to pour out drink offerings unto other gods. He said, what? 
that they may provoke me to anger. He said, it's just a little thing. Some people would say, oh, it's pretty insignificant. Oh, it's just a small thing. It's just, it's just a sideways energy. It's just something to do to pass the time. But, but what, what you don't see is that in this activity, the entire family was being pulled off track. The entire focus was being diminished to this small cake when there was a big God to do marvelous and miraculous things for Israel. All of a sudden, their focus is this little handmade effort, this cake that they're building, this cake that they're making, and, and a little chocolate chip cookie. I don't know. I don't know what it was. I, I, it's just this cake that they made by themselves. But, but what they didn't realize that this effort to, to worship this foreign deity got, got, got God mad. He said that they may provoke me to anger. Some would say it's just a little cake. But God was saying that little cake is a big deal to me. That little cake is making a big problem in my Israel. That little cake is pulling my people away from the purpose that I have for them. What's the small cakes in our lives? What's the little things that make their way into the high places? Come on, it's, the battle is lost and it's won in the high place of your life. It's a, it's a place that, that needs to be separated. It's a place that you need to, to give to God and not give to anything else. It, it matters what happens in your high place. It matters. We can read about the wrongdoing, but then you can read about what happens when people do the right thing. In 2 Kings verse 18, verses 1, it says, It came to pass that Hezekiah began to reign, verse 3, and he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. What did he do? Verse, verse 4, he removed the high places, and he broke the images and cut down the groves and break in pieces the brazen serpent that Moses had made. Someone said, oh. That beautiful history and heritage. Uh-uh. He said, for unto those days the children of Israel did burn incense unto it. The past glory become a present problem for God because they turned that old victory into something that they begin to worship and honor and revere. And God was saying, ah, tear it down as a matter of fact. So when Hezekiah did, it says that he called it Nehushtan, which just means a piece of copper. He said, it's not a God. It's nothing to be worthy of your worship. It's just indicative of the God that did the work for Israel, of a God that delivered Israel, of a God that would bring separation and deliverance in the future, of a cross that would, come on, that would buy salvation for all of humanity. Some would just say, ah, oh, it was just a piece of coal. It represented a God. But someone had erected it and put it up in that high place. And he's saying, it's just Nehushtan. It's a piece of copper. We have, our problem is we've got some Nehushtans in our life. We, we spend our lives looking back to what God did in the past, and that becomes an object of worship and celebration. And I am not going off the message, and I'm not going off of holiness. But I come to tell somebody, it's time to get looking forward with vision, not backward with remembrance. It's time to look on into what God has promised us and what God has planned for us. And we'll never get there as long as we're driving, looking in the rearview mirror. I'm not mad. Nehushtan. I hope. As a matter of fact, do I have to qualify? Does everyone know I love our heritage? That's not enough of a yes for me. 
I'll hold up and preach doctrine. I'll go back to my office, get David K. Bernard. We'll pull YouTube, Pastor Raymond Woodward. We'll sit here for two hours. I'll sit on the front row, we'll amen. Does everyone believe that I know, I believe the message. We're not going anywhere. We're not moving, we're not moving off of holiness. We're not moving off, off of doctrine. We're, we're, we're staying right where God planted us, but we can't do this looking backwards. We've got to look to the future that God has for us. We've we got to look into the intention that God has, has given us. The word came to us this morning. God has a plan for CCC. So what did he do? He trusted in the Lord God of Israel so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor any that were before him. For he clave to the Lord and departed not from following him, but kept his commandments, which the Lord had commanded Moses. No other gods before me. He refused to let anything else stand in the high place that was God's and God's alone. What's happening in your high place? You see, you've got a God-given gift and a God-given ability. Don't waste it on the world. It's easy to get distracted, and I know we can get deterred, but, but God wants someone to know tonight, I'm calling you to the high place. This isn't about separating three from 30. It's not about separating... Come on, 10 people from, from 100 in the room. That's not what this, is, this message is about. This message is about telling everybody, tap your neighbor and say, we can go to the high place. But if we're going to go to the high place, we can't take everything with us on the climb. Only you know what you've got to leave at the base of the mountain. We had an invitation from... Pastor Woodward via the Canada Committee, Canada Ministers Committee for the UPCI of Canada to speak at Canada Conference last year. It was held in Calgary, Alberta. Kathy and I were both invited and we accepted the opportunity with gratitude. It was both an honor and a privilege to meet with ministers from across our nation. Services were powerful and the hospitality was truly wonderful. We stayed over Sunday because we finished the Sessions out on Saturday, we couldn't have got home for Sunday morning service if we had tried, so we stayed for service Sunday in Calgary with Brother Patra. And uh, in the course of conversing back and forth, he asked if we would like to see the mountains before we left. Trevin and Alicia Patra were our tour guides, and the Sunday after service, they only had one Sunday morning service, we drove to Vanf. As we drove, approached Vanf, the, the weather really wasn't cooperating. This is, this is a picture off my phone. I don't know, we may have to dim the light some so we can see that better. Um, weather really wasn't cooperating, but as we neared the park, the clouds seemed to dissipate and the mountains came into view. We stopped along the side of glacier-fed blue water lakes. Someone say, ah. I didn't approve these pictures, so I'm not looking this way. We stopped along those beautiful lakes and took a few pictures. We, we saw... Mountain coats, a few billy goats gruff there. But with all due respect, I didn't drive to Banff to see the goats. As a matter of fact, I didn't drive to Banff to see the view from the bottom of the mountain. Didn't have time to ski or climb. We, 
Sorry. That's all I had. We parked in the parking lot along the side of Sulphur Mountain. Kathy took one look at the gondola suspended by a steel string snaking its way up the mountain, and her and Trevin decided that they were going to do the math on whether or not we should go. I was only doing the math on the cost. <laughs> not going wasn't an option. As a matter of fact, I still have the ticket right here. It says pursuit. And I have the receipt. <laughs> 102 pieces of macaroni to get up the side of the mountain. You know what that means? Craft dinner. <laughs> Not going wasn't an option. It took some convincing, but before long, there we are rolling up the side of the mountain. And the little tram, steel wires that were holding us up. That's, that's a picture of the wires. Thought I'd get a picture of that. And the next three pictures are a view, not from the bottom, but a view from the top. The view down the mountain. And if you want to be a little bit patriotic tonight, this beautiful flag flying proudly at the top. And I, I don't know why this wasn't a Tim Hortons, but we celebrated with the coffee from the highest Starbucks in Canada. Talking about the high places. But here's what I know. There wasn't anybody getting on that little gondola with their luggage. It was limited. As a matter of fact, if you look down the side of the mountain as we ascended, as we went up the side, that's Trevin and Alicia, the Potters. Great couple helping their dad plant a church in Calgary. <laughs> but... If you went up the side of the mount, when you looked down, there was a path. And I didn't see anybody dragging carry on with them. I didn't see anybody carrying, I didn't even see anybody with a backpack on that was walking up the side of the mountain. Why? Because when you're ready to go to the high place, there's some things that you've got to leave behind. If you're going to the high place, you got to be willing to make the sacrifice because you know that by the time you just get to the top, it's going to be worth it all. It's going to be worth whatever you left behind. It's going to be worth whatever time it took. It's going to be worth whatever it costs you to get there. It's worth the climb. I remember as we stood there at the top of that mountain, I looked over at Kathy and I was kind of, I was, I was, it was remarkable. I'll just tell you, it was remarkable. But I've never seen Kathy awestruck until I saw her at the top of that mountain. She said, it's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. I said, just look in the mirror. No. I'm in danger of getting off. That's to make up for the picture. <laughs> but she was there. She was just... And I went through <clears throat> some of those photos and quick video this afternoon. And still, it, it's awesome. 
It's incredible. It's, it's remarkable. And I, I hope that you all have the opportunity someday to, to go and see it or at least get some high-definition photos and immerse yourself in the environment. It's, it's a powerful thing, but it doesn't happen at the base of the mountain. I, I was so glad that the clouds moved away so, so we could see what was happening from the very top of that, that beautiful, beautiful mountain. But you didn't get to see it from the bottom. You had to go to the top. It was those six days where Peter, James, and John had allowed that sermon to settle in their spirit that Jesus called them and brought them to a mountain, a high mountain apart. The Bible says that when they went up into that high place, verse 2, it said, and he was transfigured before them and his face did shine as the sun and his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias talking with them. And then answered Peter, and this is, gives me hope. Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here if thou wilt. Let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, one for Elias. And while he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice spake out of the cloud which said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. Peter didn't get it all right. He wasn't, that, that tells me he wasn't there based on his ability. He wasn't there based on his past, but he was there based on the future and the plan that God had for him. I want someone to realize tonight God is calling us up to a higher place, not just because it's not based on what you've done or how well you've accomplished until now, but if you're willing to hear that call and climb a little higher, then God's got a future for you. God's got an intention for your life. Peter, you're going to stand up on the day of Pentecost cost and you're going to preach you got some keys that you don't even know what they're for yet but they're going to open the kingdom uh, come on it's going to open the kingdom to the world around you it's going to open the kingdom to the future Pentecost is going to be ushered in by you Peter and that can happen for us if we're willing to go to the high place you have to be picky about what gear you take along with you You can only take what you need. You got to trim the weight of every single item, and we've got to we've got to include it in the message. Lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. It's the high place. It's the high place. Calvary didn't happen in a valley. It happened on a hill. Jesus climbed Golgotha because this battle had to be won in the high place. It isn't called a low way of holiness. It's called the highway of holiness. Why? Because it's, come on, you, you got to get up to the next level. you got to shake everything else off and get ready to climb into that high place with God. God's got intention for your life. God's got future attached to your life. I want to go to the high place tonight. I want to tear down anything that shouldn't be there. I want to get rid of whatever's in the way. I want to get rid of whatever is restricting the flow that God wants to bring into my life. I need to make sure that he and he alone is the only thing in the high place of my life. That highway of holiness, it, shall, it said it shall be called the highway of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall be for those, the wayfaring men, though fools, shall not enter therein. It's about getting on the highway. No low way, no easy way.
no valet. It's the highway. It's the Mount of Olives that Christ climbed. It's the Mount of Transfiguration that he went up to with his disciples. It's that hill called Golgotha. It's the Sermon on the Mount. It's the mountain that he goes in with to pray in. It's about going up to the high places. And no wonder Paul told us that our war happens in the high place. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of, of the wickedness of this world, against spiritual wickedness where? In high places the enemy knows that the battle is lost or the battle is won at high places so he puts his best defense forward he puts his best tactics at work he gets all of his militant ad adversarial ability and he, he positions it in the high place but I'm wondering if there's anybody willing to go up and take the high place back tonight I wonder if anybody is willing to say I, I'll go to the high place and I'm not going to let the enemy win the war there I want to win the victory there I'm going to make sure that the battle is won in the high place we're going to wrestle we're going to fight against some stuff but it's not just going to happen down here we've got to be willing to go to the high place there is spiritual wickedness in the high place I was talking to Kathy this week. I was so moved after our meeting on Tuesday night. I, we got home from spending some time with Brother Sistrunk. You want to talk about high places? Let me tell you what happens in some high places. It's cities that, that those preachers have to go into that haven't been laid claim to. They, there's no spiritual territory that's been won. There's no advances that have been made. It's them and them alone with God. And he was telling Pastor Mike, he said, there, there's some spiritual territory that you've got to take. You've you got to be willing to pray some stuff through. You've got to be willing to battle some things through. Let me tell you, opportunity there, now, why? Spiritual territory taken. Advances made. Victories won in the high place it's got to happen in the high place. There's that, that's where this battle takes place. It's, it's in prayer rooms and it's in prayer moments together. It's, it's agreeing together. It's churches, come on, lining up and beginning to pray that God is going to bring victory. That happens in a high place. It's got to be, come on, moments that are set aside. It's got to be fasting that takes place. So we are conduit for what God wants to do. It's victory that's won in the high place. Spiritual wickedness in high places. But if we're willing to fight and if we're willing to go, God promised that he would be with us. I wonder sometimes why. I don't know why. Moses and Elijah. But for the sake of the sermon tonight, it works well. They both won the victory on the mountain. They both made their way up the side of the mountain. God called Moses into the cloud, and up he went. While all of Israel was shaking and quaking, wondering what was happening, lightning and thunder and God's moon and God's ministering, but Moses walks up the side of the mountain. Are you afraid, Moses? Uh -uh. He called me up to the high place. Don't be afraid if God's calling you to the high place. Don't be fearful. His call is coming to the high place. They won the victory on the mountain. Elijah built the altar. The prophets of Baal 
or reduced to nothing. And God used those men. I'm wondering tonight, is anybody here the call to come higher? Is anybody here the voice on the mountainside inviting you to come closer? I'm off my notes now. I wonder if our music could come back. Would you stand together with me? It was six days of separation, but God brought them to a high mountain apart. We can go ahead and raise the screen, guys. It's a pursuit. It's effort. The call of God was so strong in this room this morning. I wasn't entirely committed to go in this direction. But as Brother Morgan was preaching this morning, it was just that unction, that push, that that pressure that comes from God in moments like that. I went back through my notes. I had started to prepare a sermon on May 19th of 2019 that included those one verse that I used tonight, another verse that I didn't use. It was about 4.30 in the morning that I woke up and the Spirit of the Lord was dealing with me and as I was reading through. And then the past few weeks, going back through those scriptures, brought it back to my mind. Because we are engaged in a war in the high place. Whether we want to be or not. The enemy didn't take a day off today. He's not taking a day off tomorrow. He's positioning, and I'm not trying to get us all freaked out about what happens in the spiritual realm, but it is as real as this one. And actually, as we're preaching this, he's rallying the response for what's going to happen for people that are here in this room, hearing the word of God. He's prepping and preparing. I'm going to meet them here with this way. You make sure that they get attacked this way, and you... See, you believe that actually happens? I do. It says principalities. There's an enemy at war with you for the high place in your life. So how we respond to a message like this is about, come on, it's, it's critical that we, that we respond to what God is calling us. It, it's a word that comes from God for moments like this. And I'm not trying to stir something up. It's already been stirred up in the supernatural. And this is just a response to what's been happening. That's why God lays this on our heart and God gives direction like this and opens that portal in the supernatural so we can see for a moment. And then what? This is really the 
the call to action for the church. This is the call for the church to engage so that the battle is won. It's just a reminder that God wants victory in the high place of your life. There's a separation that's happening. But I'm wondering if someone's committed to making sure your high place is for him and him alone. Would you make your way to this altar this evening? Don't even wait for us to begin to sing. Just begin to come. Get as close as you can because we're going to pray together. I, I feel like it's a corporate prayer we're going to pray tonight. But some of you, you've already made a personal decision. There's transformation that's beginning to occur. There's change that's happening in your life. Because you heard the call. You were reminded of a call. You, there's an echo in your spirit about invitation that's already been given. Ground that's already been conquered. But somewhere along the line, you just slipped up. You just stepped back. You, you, you came down off the mountain for a break. You came down off the mountain for a rest. But God's saying, come on back up to the high place. Come on back up and establish a victory. Come on back up and establish, come on, that, that place of triumph. I, I want, God's not intended for anybody to lose tonight. God is intending for you to win. Claim your high place. Claim it. Come on, it's a high mountain. But you're not, you're not walking alone. His hand's firmly attached to yours. There's a redemptive pull. We call it a redemptive lift. The moment that you decide to turn your life around. Come on, there's that, there's that pull that happens. Those arms that are stronger than you. That Come on, that effort that you just begin to make. All of a sudden, you're able to go a lot further, faster than you could ever have imagined. Why? Because God's bringing you up the side of the mountain. Come on, Moses. Make the climb. Make the trek. It's worth it. You're going to, come on, you're going to be with God on the mountain. Elijah, build the altar. Repair what's broken down. Call on God on the high place. For some it's repentance. For some it's celebration. For some it's a prayer, a petition. For others it's a declaration. But whatever that prayer is for you tonight, I wish you'd just take a deep breath in. And then corporately could we let our voice out and begin to call on God. Begin to cry out for a moment. Hear our cry, O oh Lord. Attend unto our prayer. God, let restoration happen in somebody's life. God, let repentance be a part of this experience for someone in the room tonight. God, let there be a turnaround, a turn from sin to you. God, let somebody move forward by faith into what you have in store for them. Come on, pray, church. We'll sing in a minute, but right now, can we just pray together? Come on, pray. If you got nothing else to pray about,
just pray for our church pray for our leadership pray for our ministries come on pray against what the enemy intended planned purposed he meant it for evil but God is about to turn it for good you can celebrate about what God is going to do I'm going higher come on I'm going higher any climbing companions gonna make the trek anybody just leaving some stuff on the side of the mountain we gotta go up into the high place tonight God forgive us for trying to do this all by ourselves forgive us for trying to create the very thing you promised we'd get forgive us oh God God for embracing the temporal when the eternal was within our grasp